We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. Uh, Cooley was on yesterday. If you missed it, I would definitely recommend to go back and listen to yesterday's show. Uh, Cooley pretty much overall um, agrees with Tom, probably 90% of Tom. He doesn't necessarily think they would have won the game with Taylor Heineke because he agrees with me the defense was banged up and, and, and a problem in the game, but he absolutely was dumbfounded after watching Wentz as to why anybody out there could have thought that Carson Wentz was a better uh, answer um, on Sunday against the Browns. He did a Carson Wentz film breakdown. Uh, he was really upset with Scott Turner uh, and said basically for seven or eight weeks now, Scott Turner has been part of the problem for all intents and purposes. He did a film uh, breakdown of the defense and uh, just was generally good, uh, including on Sam Howell. And by the way, he had Tommy because he spent several years in the booth with Sonny Jurgensen calling games. Uh, he had some real heartfelt thoughts about Sonny's Jersey retirement ceremony on Sunday in Landover. Um, I'm going to get to something that happened on radio with me this morning. You did hear about my interview with Frank Herzog, right? Yes, I did. Okay. I, 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 I was opened up my social media this morning, and I, I saw that uh, you opened up another wound for this team that bleeds from places you can't imagine. It's really incredible. This one's actually really surprising to me, and I'll tell you why here in a couple of minutes. But Frank Herzog wasn't even invited to the ceremony. Now, did Frank Herzog play with Sonny Jurgensen? No. Is he a former player that played against Sonny Jurgensen? No. He was just in the booth with Sonny Jurgensen for 22 years and was one of his best yeah. friends. And really, n- no offense to anybody else that Mike might present Sonny's jersey uh, into the rafters or however that'll be handled. I can't think of anybody that would have been a better MC for this event than Frank Herzog. But anyway. Yes, um, a- absolutely. And you know what? what? It's, it's like, and I say this with love, it's like having a Three Stooges reunion 
and just inviting Mo and Larry. <laughs> well, Sam's not available. Um, uh, right. Yes. I wanted to read uh, a quick uh, review or two because many of you have really done such a nice job the last two days, and I really appreciate that. I've asked for more reviews and ratings from those of you who haven't, and we've gotten a lot more in. I mean, we're a top 10 football podcast. I mean, I never typically talk about where we rank on these Apple podcast charts because they do fluctuate, but we typically are somewhere in the top 30 to 40, unless it's like a slow time of year. Um, uh, but you know, for local content sports podcasts, um, we do about as well as anybody does in the country, which is, um, a testament to the audience size, but it's also really important that you rate us and review us like Ron from Bel Air did. Um, so glad to hear Kevin's pod today. I always look forward to hearing Cooley, Tom, SVP, Rigo. I haven't had Rigo on the podcast in forever. Um, uh, Kevin's knowledge of DC sports is second to none. Appreciate that. Uh, This um, from Jack, who just said, and it's the same thing that somebody else said a week ago. Tuesdays and Thursdays are must listen for not only me, Kevin, but my wife as well. She loves you and Tom. She hates sports, but loves you and Tom. Uh, Thank you, Jack. And look, it wasn't Tuesday and Thursday this week because Cooley had to go yesterday, and Tommy accommodated uh, the Cooley visit yesterday and moved his typical time back to today. But uh, rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify, anywhere else, um, but on Apple because they have these podcast charts that in some way uh, influence advertisers to a certain degree. Um, If you can rate us five stars, if you want to rate us five stars and write a quick one to two sentence review, um, it's much appreciated. Oh, you you know, you you talk about the ratings and and how how well the podcast is doing, and it should because it's a damn good podcast, you know, and there's a lot of podcasts out there that aren't so good. But I want to remind you now that the year is over. This is contest uh, time now. This, this This is when... You know, at, after the year, people start, you know, start winning awards and stuff. And I'm just wondering <laughs> if we're going to hear anything <laughs> from our from friend the Brian DC Podcast Association. Yes, it is Brian. I mean, because right? you know, oh, I, I mean, well, whatever. I mean, <laughs> it is. No, it is. It's I mean, Brian. This is, this is, it's Brian. This is contest time. Right. This is, this is when they they start looking over the year of so, uh, work and start giving out the awards. Uh, and I would expect. That will get out shared. Do we have any more room on the trophy trophy shelf? If I take the book that I just put up on the uh, trophy shelf, which is, you know, Hail to the Redskins by Tom Lavera, which everybody suggested that I put on my bookshelf. So I put it up on my bookshelf. No, I didn't. I actually really didn't. But um, we, we, we have plenty of room. Um, Brian uh, is, you know, the longtime Tom, um, the longtime uh, head of the DC Sports Podcast Association. Uh, been there for, for years uh, running that nonprofit, doing a hell of a job. And um, you're right. Uh, we were voted the number one podcast in DC sports, um, you know, almost a year ago. And, uh, you know, it, yeah. it'd be nice to repeat, Brian. Um, it'd be nice to be a repeat champion. Um, anyway, uh, as, as the great Muhammad Ali once said, get all pretenders off the throne. The lamb has come to claim his own. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but if it's good, I'm it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so 
We haven't talked about Sam Howell and the back and forth cha-cha-cha. That's still one of my all-time favorite bits. <laughs> the Galdi, the Galdi Kirk Cousins cha-cha-cha is one of my all-time favorite radio bits. That was brilliant, uh, Galdi. Um, I don't know if he still does it on his podcast. Of course, Kirk Cousins is no longer here, but that was one of the greatest things of all time. But um, uh, yeah, there was a bit of a cha-cha-cha the other day with – you know, Ron or somebody in the organization thinking, let's go to Taylor, and then them being, um, uh, them being reminded that, uh, that maybe the game wasn't – that's what I said. Maybe Ron didn't know that he had been eliminated yet from playoff contention. Yeah, yeah, oh <laughs> maybe he wasn't oh sure God. quite yet. But what did you make <laughs> – by the way, in thinking about that, do you think Sonny's been invited – to the Jersey retirement ceremony, or did they forget that? Good God. <laughs> um, so what did you make of, like, the cha-cha-cha the other day? Well, it, it, it showed, I mean, on one hand, it showed a head coach without a grasp of, of, his, of what his team should be doing. Uh, it just showed a, 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 a head coach without a grasp of his organization. But more importantly to me, and, you know, my support of Taylor Heineke, while I think he's a very nice guy, does, does not necessarily mean he's a good quarterback. I've always maintained he was their best option, okay? But, uh, I mean, well, you know, that, from all that counts... That sounded kind of defensive. A, well, from all counts, he's a terrific young man. Right. Well, we've never... No, no, he, one's ever, I, no one's ever debated that. I think this was a business and safety decision by Taylor Heineke. Oh, I, I, I don't think I he agree. willingly gave, gave up his – look, you've, we've had Theismann on the show to tell us how quarterbacks think. They don't even like to give up reps in practice. Mm-hmm. And this guy has fought to be an NFL quarterback for, what, what, five, six, seven years now? Right. You know? And, and he's going to say, oh, that's okay. Give the kid a chance? Bullshit. I think he's gone for one thing. The second thing is, I think he looked at the, you know the Cowboys game where the Cowboys have something to play for, and he looked at Micah Parsons breathing down his neck, and he said, "For what?" And he, you know, I, I just think I just think this was a smart business and safety decision by Taylor Heineke. That said, again, I said this jokingly. You know, that they should start Carson Wentz. Okay. But if you really care about this young kid and you're interested in his development, this is not the game to start him. Start- not this game. Wait, wait, wait. If you care about this kid and his development, this. Sam so you're, you're saying Sam Howell. Okay. Yeah. Because you had said the yeah. other day, and I think I thought it was jokingly that you would start Carson Wentz. No, Tommy. The only. Well, it, it is half. Ju- it's half jokingly. No, I actually, only because look, they're in they're in a position now where they can't start Carson Wentz. Okay, so I mean, if Taylor Heineke bows out in deference to the kid, they got to start the kid. But the kid is going to be a sacrificial lamb. Yeah, and I, we don't know what kind of damage this is going to do to him. No, I mean the, the game. Uh, look, you, you exaggerated I, I, be, be, it, but what happened in the Cleveland game? No, but no, my point is is that 
I actually, it's like the Dwayne thing from a few years ago when everybody was saying, oh, well, you can't start him against the New England Patriots. Remember that when it was Colt, it was the final salvo from Jay Gruden with Colt McCoy against the New England Patriots. And it came a week or two weeks after Dwayne Haskins was the backup and had to go into the game because Case Keenum, right? It was Case Keenum, was banged up and everybody was outraged. They had ruined Dwayne Haskins. I'm like, it's the fifth game of the year. He's the backup quarterback. We see first round. This pick is, starting games. I'm trying to drive home a point. I said, I think New England would be the best game for him to start because this would be a true measuring stick to have you know him go against Bill Belichick and to see what he's made of and to see you know how he reacts. And I feel the same way about Sam Howell. Look, one game is not going to really sway you well it'll sway some people one way or the other I mean I guarantee you somebody a lot of people on Monday will be like he's not the answer or if he plays great hey I think we got a guy for next year and one game shouldn't be you know uh, uh, that much of an impact but I do think that it makes more sense that they're playing a team that has something to play for and it's not a preseason environment and that it is a true regular season environment where they're playing a team that's got something to play for and will at least for a half or so be playing to win the game. I mean, it's possible, and I pointed out at halftime, the Eagles could be up, you know, 28 to nothing. And then the second half, they'll rest their starters. But, you know, I had um, Mickey Spagnola, who's the longtime uh, DallasCowboys.com um, columnist right. on this morning, and he said, look, I think they were going to play this game to win the game to begin with because they haven't played since last Thursday. They didn't want like literally two and a half weeks to go by without having you know their starters play. So I, I don't know. I just think it makes more sense for Sam Howell to be in a real NFL regular season environment versus what it could be at the end of the year, which is more of a preseason game environment. That's my well, thought. Well, I think that – okay – and that's reasonable. That's not unreasonable, except this is not going to be a real NFL environment. <laughs> not <laughs> well, really. Well, we'll be in terms of the competition he's facing versus third stringers yeah. in August. Well, you know what? There, there, there are future games. I'm just saying that uh, he's going to be a sacrificial lamb. Uh, and, you know, it's funny. You said you know, once people see that, you know, maybe he won't be. Maybe he'll surprise us. Maybe he will be. Show us something special. That's a possibility. I'm not ruling that out. You know, I think it's unlikely, given the lack of help that he's going to have. Have you noticed the, the injured list for the team this week? It's like, you know, I called it the bags are packed list. Yeah, but, That's Tom, what I called but Tommy, it. because you didn't watch the game last week, it's a lot of the same people that weren't in, on the field last week in a must game. No, so the, it's the not a packed your bags. Longer. Yeah, it's longer, but not by longer. much. You know, Cam Curl, uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, uh, Benjamin St. Juice, John Allen, you know, was not on the injury report, was lost yeah. for two and a half quarters of the game. I mean, major key players didn't play in the game last week. It was a big part didn't of the game play. last week. I know, but we knew that going into the game. No, we actually did. No, we weren't sure, actually, until Sunday about Curls oh, and St. Juice. There was still a possibility. Uh, yeah. A possibility. And we didn't know about Gibson either. A, 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 a possibility. I, I thought we did. We knew Gibson was banged up, but we didn't know officially that he was out. 
There was more of a chance okay, Gibson was going to be out than Curl or St. Juice. There was still hope late in the week that Curl and St. Juice were going to play. It really wasn't until Saturday that we knew for sure, um, and maybe not even until Sunday morning now that I'm thinking about it, but whatever. Um, okay, well, yeah. keep, keep on hedging. I mean, I don't consider hope to be information. As well, far as I was My point is, is a lot game, of these players were out were last week. They were not going to have Cam Curl. And, okay, okay, but not all of them. No, but the key players that were out last week are also uh-huh. going to be out this week. Yes. Yeah. If that, this was a meaningful game, would they be out? I don't know because clearly Cam Curl has been really injured and St. Juice injured. And I, I don't know what John Allen's status, although I did hear that John could, could have played um, uh, this week if he had to. Um, by the way, well, actually, well, there, there I'll, I'll mention that here in a second. Hold on. About the eighth playoff team. Did you see that thing? Yeah. Okay, I'll t- I'll tell everybody about it here in a moment. Uh, uh, but uh, but I look your point your uh, your overarching point about him not having a full deck a full complimentary deck on Sunday against the Cowboys is true. Just like there wasn't a full complimentary deck in many ways, certainly not on defense last week. Um, but this week, not only Tommy, what I mentioned, um, you should mention the injuries uh, of players that won't be in there. What will happen in this game is they will pull a lot of the starters, I bet, after a quarter or two anyway. So he might not have Terry McLaurin for a full game or uh, Jahan Dotson for a full game. Hell, they should not play Chase Young. What's the point of playing Chase Young in this game on Sunday? You, you've got two really good feel-good games to enter 2023 with Chase Young. Why risk it? I don't know. That's a good point. Del Rio actually said he thinks he's going to play. Um, but Who, Jack thinks that Jack is going to play or, or <laughs> Chase Young's going to play? Well, given that it is January 6th, he might be ready to suit up and play. <laughs> um, but I, I – uh, no, I think he said that he, in his presser yesterday, that – that Chase Young was going to play. I have to look through that again okay. to be sure about that. But I'm I, sure Chase but Young wants to play, I would, probably. I wouldn't, would think. I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't play him at all. I don't – I mean, you just got the – you had the best confidence build situation of the last two games, and the expectations from almost everybody was, we have no idea what we're going to get. And what we got was a guy right. that looked just as athletic as he did two years ago. So – I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I would. I, I. I'd pull a lot of people in this game. I would give Sam Howell a chance offensively. Certainly, you know, you don't want to have just one backup offensive lineman after another. Which, by the way, you, you, you're right. I'm looking at the like Lucas didn't practice yesterday. Norwell didn't practice yesterday, um, and Brian Robinson didn't practice yesterday. So you could see a lot of Jarrett Patterson with them. I, I hope Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and Logan Thomas. And, you know, some of the receivers are out there. And then, by the way, Cooley mentioned this, and I agree with him. Uh, let's, let's just see him throw the football. Let's see him drop back and throw the football. The Cowboys have given up a shitload of passing yards recently. They've actually really regressed here in the last month on defense. Now, they've got the takeaways, but they really have given up a lot of yards and a lot of points. Have you seen the Cowboys defensively, what they've been giving up? I mean... Not lately. Well, I'll, I'll rip it off to you. You know, they nearly got beat by the Texans. Um, they gave up 40 to the Jags, 34 to the Eagles, and the Eagles were, you know, getting ready to score 41 with a game-winning touchdown at the very end of the game. The Titans were on their third quarterback, Josh Dobbs, and still they moved the football a little bit. Um, so 
I'd, I'd drop them back and let them, you know, throw it around the field. I mean, they don't have a very good offensive line, but five, you know, empty set, get it out quickly. Uh, go ahead, what? Okay. You know, I you know I didn't watch the game because I didn't have to watch the I game know, last week because I had already saw it was what was going to happen. Right. So I didn't watch this, this, this terrific positive performance by Chase Young, but I'm looking at the stat. And he had one assist on a tackle. Yeah, he had some pressures though. He he actually and he remember um, in the first half. I mean, Cleveland basically didn't even have the ball. I by the way, I didn't even look at his snap count. I am interested in that now. Um, how many snaps he played in that game? I'm pulling it up. Um, but you saw like you did the week before. You just saw the explosiveness and the athleticism, um, which I okay, think so is the most. Okay, so basically, you're talking about Jim. You're talking about gym class, not football. Whatever. You're you're not a Chase Young fan. You think you're you're convinced he's going to be a bust. I, I think, By the way, I'm no, not suggesting. No, I'm not that convinced you're... he's. A, I'm not. That's not right. Okay. okay. It's not zero to sixty. I don't think he's going to be a bust. Okay. I just don't think he's going to be in the Bosa category. Okay. Well, you know what? Can we knock it down from Bosa? Because I I don't know how many people will be in the Bosa category. Um, he played thirty. Okay, I don't think he's going to be a top ten pass rusher, but I think he's going to be a good player. Um, you might be. You might end up being right. I think if what we saw his rookie year was what we continued to see, like an ascension with experience and playing time and figuring it out and physically maturing and mentally maturing and all that, I think we could have seen something approaching, you know, one of the top, you know, true havoc-wreaking pass rushers in the game. I'm still hopeful of that. Um, But certainly uh, off of the injury, uh, I'm not so sure. But then again, the last two games, I think what we saw from him – and if I didn't just say it, let me just repeat it. He played 38 of the 57 defensive snaps, 67% of the snaps. That's pretty good. Um, the fact that he was out there and, and, uh, and you could see the explosiveness there. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Chase Young has next year. I, I think there's off of these two performances, I'm more optimistic than I was before. Uh, but but I, I don't know what ultimately he'll be. Obviously, I have more questions that now than I did, did at the end of 2020. If that's is that fair enough for you? I'm not going to call. I'm not going to go zero to sixty either. Um, I'm not going to. I'm definitely not going to say that he can't be top ten. But I will say that you know, at the end of that rookie year, I thought we were going to see one of the dominant defensive players in the league for years to come, and I'm not so sure about that anymore. That's where I am. But I'm encouraged that I'm not going to see a guy that's going to be a bust because of the injury and he'll never physically be right again. Because right. I think we saw signs right. that he's going to be physically okay. Okay. There we that's go. That's fair. All right. Uh, what are the odds that you think that Sam Howell will surprise us and play well and be effective? Not just play well, but be effective. I have no idea. I honestly have no idea. I I, I wanted to st- – to because you um, – so there were a couple things. Number one, I think you were right about Taylor Heineke, and I said this on Wednesday after the news broke. You know, if in fact it's true that Taylor Heineke, as Jeremy Fowler reported, essentially told Ron, look, just play the kid the whole game. You know, let him take the, the, all the reps this week. Let him play the game. You know, he's, you know, he deserves it. He's been working hard all year, meaningless game. I think it's. I think it was incredibly shrewd by Taylor. You know, there are twenty. Yes, it was. There, there are like twenty-five games. He's got all he needs on tape. 
Uh, you're facing a team in the Cowboys that he has faced twice, and it's been a disaster, by the way. And I don't blame him for the second one last year. That was off of the COVID thing and, um, you know, the short uh, work week when they got beat 56-14. to 14. But the game that was off the four-game winning streak was as bad a game as a quarterback can play, and he got benched in that game for Kyle Allen. Um, and so the, the matchup against Parsons and company hasn't been a good one for him. And then... You know, the the Cowboys hungry to kind of blow them out in the first half and Washington having nothing to play for. Yeah, I think that's a if that's was in his mind, that's the right move. Um, the other thing I wanted to tell you, I got this um, I got this tweet. Sheehan, do you think Wentz isn't starting because of his injury guarantee of four million dollars that Ben Standig uh, suggested? I don't think it has anything to do with the $4 million injury guarantee. I think it has to do with what they saw last week and how many and how long it took for the, the laundry uh, to, to clean out the, the undergarments that he was wearing. That's what I think they, they're thinking after the game last week. We don't need to see any more of this. Oh, my no. God. If, if, but, if, but did you know he had a $4 million guarantee? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I didn't know yeah. that. Well, Ben 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 Standick knows that kind of stuff. He He's does. On top of that, he does kind of stuff. He's very good at it. But uh, you know what? Here's here's how Carson Wentz would start. If Ron Rivera was standing before a judge and on trial for coaching yeah. incompetence, oh, the sentence would be, "Well, now you got to start him this game too." That's the only way Carson Wentz would start <laughs> Sunday. Now you, now you have. Here's the punishment for yeah, you. Now D- you can't leave for, for, for DJ Swearinger. Here's your punishment. Uh, they're going to make you stay. <laughs> <laughs> they're not cutting you. They're making you stay. Still, my all-time favorite Tom Lavero line. DJ Swearinger released, and he wrote in his column: "If they really wanted to punish him, they would have made him stay." <laughs> It just was so perfect, given the organization at the time. You know, Jay has told me, um, I think on the podcast, I think he has said this, that that was a disaster. Just a total disaster. The player was just impossible. Impossible. Um, And that he wasn't very fond of keeping him around for a while. And finally, I think, got his way and was allowed to release him. Uh, I'm sure organizationally they're like, what are we talking about? That's that's one of our big free agent guys. Uh, you know, deal with it. Um, totally disruptive he, he to the operation. He liked the sound of his own voice. He liked the oh, sound yeah. of his own voice. That's for sure. Well, look, he also <laughs> knew he was in a shit organization. It didn't take him long to yeah. figure that out, as it you know, as it didn't uh, with as it did with many people. Um, so I I agree with you on the on the Heineke thing. I I think, and as far as Sam Howell goes, I honestly have no idea. I do know this. Uh, my personal view, and some of you have reminded me of this, but I think I mentioned it the other day. I was not a big fan of Howell at Carolina. Like I watched a lot of those games. I thought he took a lot of bad sacks. I thought he th- threw a lot of bad balls in key spots. But what was obvious is they were incredibly well coached. Phil Longo was a hell of an offensive coordinator. I think I had him on the podcast um, after the draft. Uh, he's going with Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. And Drake May, by the way, is going to be one of the top 
two or three picks in next year's draft, and he's a Heisman Trophy candidate at Carolina. He, you know, so he was in a really, really good system at Carolina. You know, all of you that have watched college football, you know how re- how good uh, North Carolina has been offensively for a few years now since Mac Brown came back, but um, and Phil Longo was the OC. Uh, but what is really obvious about watching Hal at Carolina is he's he's got a big arm for a guy his size, um, and he is like Taylor in many ways. He's just really competitive. And when they lost the two big-time running backs to the Jets and the Broncos in the draft, um, uh, it, it, and, and they had all those rushing yards his next to last year, then in his last year, Carolina, he decided he was going to become a big-time running quarterback to try to make up for all of those lost yards that they had had. They had had um, back in 20 – it would have been 2020. Um, they had, with, with Carter and Williams in the backfield, two 1,000-yard rushers in college that year. I mean, they were phenomenal running the football, and they've both been outstanding backs in the NFL so far. So that year, and I'm looking it up right now because I want to make sure I'm right about this because I'm pretty sure the rushing yards for him were so much bigger than next year. So in 2020 with the – yeah, here it is. With 20, in 2020, Tommy, with two unbelievable college running backs – 146 yards rushing for him, 3,500 yards passing, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions. By the way, Deami Brown was on that team with him. Uh, and then in 2021, when he lost Carter and, 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 and Williams, 828 rushing yards he had in his final year at Carolina. And I remember an, an 11 rushing touchdowns and 3,500 less passing yards. And so... I remember him basically doing everything he could to will his team to wins, but he put himself in harm's way one game after another, taking just poundings um, throughout that year. But uh, he's a competitor. I mean, he's got that Heineke baller mentality. The big difference is he's got a big arm, but he's not that big. And um, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see him. I, I am. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I, I don't have a lot of confidence that he's the long-term answer. And whatever we see on Sunday, I don't think will, you know, make me change my mind one way or the other. I mean, I guess he could throw. I would for... agree. No matter what you see, yeah. no matter what you see on Sunday, whoever's running this team next year, if it's not this guy, uh, you need to make a quarterback priority. No matter what Sam Howell does on Sunday. By the way, Tommy, his last four years at Carolina, okay, after only rushing for 128 yards his next to last year, he had five games in which he rushed for over 100 yards as a quarterback wow. in a, by the way, in a throw, in, in a throwing system. You know, it wasn't, they're not running a, a ton of read option where he's keeping it. Um, he had games in which he had 17, 18, 21 rushes. He totally tried to take the game over because they had lost those running backs the year before um, that, you know, I mean, personally, I think Javante Williams before he turned, um, he turned uh, towards ACL or what was it, his Achilles this year. I thought he was one of the the next big time star running back. By the way, I want to pull this box score up because I remember it from that year because it was one of the most incredible 
running back. Um, I forget who they played, but I'm going to look to see. Carter and Williams for Carolina in 2020 had a game. Here it is against Miami. Listen to this. I don't know if I've ever heard this before, and I don't. I'll, I'd have to read to see if it was a record of some sort. They beat Miami 62 to 26 in the game. Sam Howell, by the way, was 14 of 19 for 223 yards and a touchdown. Michael Carter, 24 carries, 308 yards, two touchdowns. Oh my God! Javante Williams in the same game, 23 carries, 236 yards. <laughs> They combined for 544 yards rushing and five touchdowns in a game against Miami, who was the number 10 team in the country. I, I, I don't think I – I mean, they ended up – in the game, total yardage in the game for Carolina that day, 778 yards against the University of Miami. Um, That's a remark- those are remarkable statistics. I mean, I, I, wish, lo- I would have loved to have seen that. Now, that's a game I would have watched. That, that was the ACC championship <laughs> game. That, that was the ACC championship okay. game that year. And it was just, it was an, it was an unbelievable beatdown with their running game. And, and Sam Howell didn't have to do anything. So that's what I, like Sam Howell that year when he rushed for 828 yards was like, we lost 2,000 yards of rushing. I, I'm going to make up for it myself. And he took a pounding that year. And he also took a step back in terms of overall passing production, which is one of the reasons he went from being a guy that was thought to be a lock to be a first-rounder, and some people had as high as top three you know, in 2020, to a guy that ended up getting selected in the fifth round. But he had lost all of his offensive weapons that year, all of them. Like, I'm looking at this Miami game. I just want to see what De'Ami Brown did. Sort of like, sort of like what's going to happen to him on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, there's not going to be the same weaponry on offense. De'Ami Brown in that game yeah. that I mentioned had four catches for 167 yards. De'Ami Brown was a big-time target for him. So, you know, they were familiar. I'm a fan of that guy. I am a fan of that guy, by the way. I am too, but you got to be able to – he, he, he runs one route. It's a deep route. So, yeah. so what are you expecting? Well, I'm expecting horror, mayhem, uh, disaster, uh, you know. But, again, I mean, not, I like Carson Wentz, where I knew it was an absolute. Mm-hmm. I'm open to the possibility that he, could, he, that he could generate enough positive play for people to be hopeful. Right. I'm, I'm open because I don't know. I've never seen the guy play an NFL game other than preseason football. So I can't sit here and say he's going to stink. I mean, I don't know. He could generate enough positive play where people get optimistic about him in a negative atmosphere, so to speak. But I generally think no matter who the quarterback was going to be back there, there was just going to be disaster, mayhem, and horror. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. I don't, by the way, I just don't have many thoughts on the game in particular, but I just jotted down a couple. And since we do this every Friday for the podcast, I'm just going to do it because it's a matter of routine. And I, and you know me, Tommy, I'm a man of routine. Um, Washington will beat the Cowboys if Dallas is eliminated from the NFC East race at halftime. Seriously. Like they'll have a chance 
if Dallas says, yeah, that, that was enough, Philadelphia's crunching the Giants. And by the way, they will have somebody that will tell Mike McCarthy at halftime what the Giants' score is and whether or not he should be playing to win the game in the second half or not. You know, if, if they don't do that, it's irresponsible. They absolutely um, should do that. Uh, so, uh, as to rest, uh, all, but all what of, about what about what what Mickey Spagnuolo says here? Well, they would and get, What if they don't play particularly well the first half? Well, that would be different. But the, if they get the first half in, then it answers Mickey Spagnuolo's. You know, they don't want two and a half weeks okay. off versus just you know resting everybody from the jump. But I'm saying that if they if, I, if they can't win the NFC East and they're penciled in against you know Tampa Bay next week is the five versus the four. They should not play people in the second half. So one of the ways Washington could win is if Dallas puts in all their subs in the second half. Another way, just so everybody understands, Dallas has been a turnover machine. You know, Dak has seven interceptions in the last four games. Not all of them have been his fault. You know, if you go back to that pick six loss against Jacksonville, ball got deflected up into the air. I think one of his picks against Tennessee in their last game was uh, essentially a drop. Um, And they've been giving up a lot of yards, a lot of yards through the air. Gardner Minshew threw for 355. Uh, The the, the guy that started for the Titans who's starting, uh, Josh Dobbs. Uh, Dobbs didn't have a bad game in his, you know, basically they pulled him off the street to start the game. Uh, Davis Mills in the Texans nearly beat him. Trevor Lawrence had a big game against the Cowboys, you know, throwing for 320 yards or somewhere in that neighborhood. And like five, I think Lawrence in that game had four or five touchdown passes. Dallas isn't the same defensively as they were early in the year. So, uh, you know, I, I don't give Washington a good chance, but given all of those factors, you could get to the second half and it could be a competitive game, especially if the Cowboys have nothing to play for. My prediction is Cowboys 24 to 17. What's your prediction? Cowboys 35, Washington 20. 35 to 20. Uh, they've been, by the way, Tommy, they have been scoring. I mean, the Cowboys, listen to this, all right? Since Dak came back, actually his second game against Chicago, 49 points, 28 points, 40 points, 28, 54 points, 27, 34 points, 40, and 27. They are an explosive team offensively. I also think that I don't trust them in the postseason. I don't know what it is about Mike McCarthy. I don't trust him in the postseason. I'm not sure I trust Dak in the postseason. I I agree. I agree. Although it's funny because two weeks ago I said they'd be better off playing Tampa than Carolina or New Orleans. But after Tampa woke up last week and Brady threw for over 400 yards and Mike Evans is streaking down the sideline three times in that game, I mean, that's crazy. Like, they haven't been able to move the ball against anybody. And in a half, Brady goes for basically 400 yards and Evans has three touchdowns. Like, if all of a sudden Tampa Bay woke up, look out. By the way, wouldn't it be ironic after all year talking about whether well, no, you know, Cousins is probably going to be and Hurts are going to be the two best quarterbacks in the playoffs, and now you may have Brady and Rodgers in the NFC playoffs. That would be something. Playing well, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, we got a lot of different things to get to. I do want to play for you the Frank Herzog thing from the radio show. Frank Herzog wasn't even invited to the Sonny Jurgensen retirement 
uh, ceremony, uh, Jersey retirement ceremony on Sunday. Tommy wrote a column about Billy and Sonny. Um, plus, uh, just the amazing, amazing recovery right now that um, DeMar uh, Hamlin is in the process of. It's amazing. And how the NFL is handling the schedule. News on that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. First of all, are you going to be there Sunday or not? Uh, No, I won't be. Uh, I'm going to sit here at home, turn on Sunday ticket, and watch it in the comfort of my living room. What, did they ask you to come? No. But they didn't ask, uh, that's ridiculous. Um, I That's it, absolutely ridiculous. Because I said earlier, and I said on my podcast, I think last week, you would have been the person I would have selected to actually make the presentation of Sonny. Like, I don't even know who they'll have. I, I, you would have uh, You would have obviously done that had you been asked, right? Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, Sonny and I you know, spent 22 years together sitting side by side doing football and even more than that, doing college basketball and working the right. Channel 9. Yeah, absolutely. That was my exchange this morning um, on radio on the Team 980 uh, during my show this morning with Frank Herzog. I had reached out to Frank earlier this week. I asked Frank if he'd come on on Friday to talk about Sonny Jurgensen. 
because I think to almost any longtime Washington Redskins or Washington football team fan, if you're thinking about a Sonny Jurgensen retirement party, and by the way, you're thinking about, let's be fair, the people who are alive and well, uh, Frank Herzog would be one of the first people that would come to mind, but apparently not for the team. Uh, But are we surprised? No. We'll get to... Uh, our reaction to this here in a moment. But we do have one of our favorite sponsors to talk about, Tommy, Shelley's Back Room. Yes, let me just say, I I got this tweet from Mike R. uh, that says, Hey, Tom Lavero, looking forward to your return and to say hello at Shelley's Back Room. Nice. Again, I, I, I keep getting these. Just picked up your book and would love to get it signed. And then here's the hammer. Unlike Kevin Sheehan, I'll be sure to prominently display it on my bookshelf <laughs> for the world to see on conference calls. On conference call. How about Zoom call, since there's some video associated with that? Um, I, again... So, so he, want, he, wants to, he wants to meet me at Shelley's. I'll be glad to do that, Mike. And uh, when I get back... And certainly sign a copy of your book. And that's not the only uh, request I got. I got, I, we got. I got another request about uh, getting my book signed uh, from uh, David Moorfield. He picked up a copy on Amazon. And uh, uh, he's looking forward to reading the good memories uh, to take my mind off what this franchise has become. Well, we can all do that sometime at Shelley's. Okay, I was going to say, did, get did, did that last guy suggest that he do it at Shelley's? Because this is a Shelley's spot. Yes. Well, he didn't suggest it. Okay. I'm suggesting it. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to build a momentum for a, a Shelley's event here. Right, understood. You know? Okay, very uh, good. If you, if you got, I mean, you know, it, look, here's what you need to know. If you're a Washington football fan, you need to find a place to go feel good. Shelley's back room is the place to go feel good. <laughs> well, you don't okay. have to be a Washington football fan. Everybody wants to feel good. I mean, yes, everybody does. If you're a fan of the Cowboys, when they lose in the first round of the playoffs, you can go to Shelley's back room to feel better. Yes, yes, you can. You can smoke a cigar. You can blow smoke in the in the face of a of a, a Commanders fan that you that you're arguing with there. Uh, it's the place to go to enjoy NFL football, the college football championship game. Be a great place to go watch that game as well. It's a great place to watch sports. It's a great place for conversation. It's a great place for food, drink, and cigars. Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street Northwest in the district. Great place. Um, so, uh, look, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I, I just, first of all, I want to say that I hope that this Jersey retirement ceremony um, for Sonny Jurgensen ends up being something that Sonny and his family really, really appreciate and enjoy. Ultimately, that is the goal. Like we talked about with all the Sean Taylor stuff, they, you know, it was one blunder after another. But if Sean Taylor's family was, you know, felt great about it, that that's important. So I hope that it really turns out to be a good thing. As we talked about when this was announced, and we both said, why the final game of the year? Why against the Cowboys? Why in early January? I mean, did anybody kind of do any sort of look ahead and think ahead of, 
It might be a meaningless game. The stadium might be filled with Cowboys fans, and it might be 22 degrees. It's not going to be 22 degrees, but guess what? It might be snowing and 34 degrees on Sunday. It's either going to be snow or rain the way it looks right now. It's not apparently going to be a great weather day Sunday. I hope they're wrong, and I hope it is. Um, but they should have you know, thought this thing out. And, of course, if they had reached out to one of – Two dozen people, media members, fans. I mean, really, it's much more than that. It's thousands of people that could have helped them with this stuff. But people that they know that they could have reached out to, we would have been able to, been able to say, nah, don't do that one on the Cowboys game. Let's do that on a beautiful fall October Sunday against somebody. Um, as far as Herzog not being invited, that's really unfortunate. But it's not a shock. They don't know the organization. And they refuse consistently to reach out to people, even when people have offered their help and said, call me, you know, before you put out a press release on something, before you have an event planned, call me and I'll walk through some of this stuff with you. And if I don't have the answers, I've got five people I can call that'll have the answer. But they don't do that. And they haven't done that. They're, you know, they just keep. There's no institution. There's no institutional knowledge. None. At all. And again, as I said earlier, I know Frank didn't play with Sonny. I know he didn't play against Sonny. Frank was just in the booth with Sonny Jurgensen for 22 years. And of the people who were alive and well, nobody, uh, you know, Billy Kilmer's going to be there. You did a column with Billy. I had Billy on the podcast um, on December 31st, reliving the 50 year anniversary of that first championship game. By the way, how sharp is Billy still? I mean, he's great. Yeah. yeah. He really is. Absolutely. Um, Billy's going to be there, so at least they didn't forget to invite Billy. Hopefully they did, as I said earlier, remind themselves to invite Sonny. Um, Hopefully they have the actual jersey. Like, can you imagine? Hold on here. I I just had an awful thought. What if the jersey is a commander's jersey? A number nine commander's jersey. They're not going to do that, are they? I know they won't do that. Are you sure? What if it just says number nine on there and it's burgundy? I mean, I I need the old 19... Look, the 60s and 70s jerseys were different. I don't care if it's a 60s or 70s jersey. It has to be a jersey that Sonny Jurgensen wore while he was playing for the Redskins. The Redskins is who he played for. Um, yeah. Anyway, on the Herzog thing, it's I mean, got, it's got to be. But you know what? What, Kevin? That's a legitimate fear. Absolutely. I, I just, I know. I, I'm. You know what? Seriously, I almost want to pause right now and text somebody over there to make sure that they're not going to use a Commander's jersey. But then again, you know what? I know I'm going to do it because it's. it's it, this is about Sunny. This isn't about them looking yes. stupid again. No, that, that's, that's already certified information. That's already been proven beyond a reasonable doubt. There's no need to continue that. Uh, you know, basically, it, it, it would be more important for Sonny not to be embarrassed. Hold on. I, I'm seriously texting right now. Because, I mean, it's a, legit, it's a legitimate concern. I mean, yes. look, look at the Sean Taylor, you know, thing they put together. Yeah, no, you're right. 
It absolutely is. All right. I, I've done my part. <laughs> okay. Good for you. Well, I mean, I'm being serious, though. Like, can you imagine how embarrassing that would be? I mean, it, well, um, immediately. immediately I mean, th- that's, that, that's their business. It is their business. That's their they, business. They might want to sell those jerseys. No, what I mean, embarrassment. Oh, I know, embarrassment. But what I'm saying is the business of using a commander's jersey to try to sell number nine commander's jerseys. What if Dan said, hey, we got a chance here to sell a lot of number nine commander jerseys. Make sure you get the pink and, you know, the scarlet and white out there or whatever those colors are they're wearing this year. Actually, you know what, the, the funny thing about the uniforms I don't care about them. They are the uniforms of an expansion team for me this year. And I just haven't given it a lot of thought since 2-2-22, which was, was such a smooth rollout of the new brand. Yeah. Yes, it was. Okay. Um, Sonny Jurgensen. What do you want to say about Sonny? Well, I mean, he was such a good quarterback that – uh, and such a beloved figure in this town um, that it, it it happened in the face of win it, it happened in the absence of winning for the most part. I mean, Sonny's best years were not winning years for the team, right? Save for nineteen sixty nine, the Lombardi year. Uh, you know, those were Sonny's best years from the time he arrived in 64 to 70. Uh, and people loved him. And they, and he got, he was universally revered as one of the best, best passers in the history of the NFL. To be able to do that, to have that kind of reputation and to do it while your team is playing not that, not playing well, just shows you how talented you were. It really does. I mean, it, your, your talent has overcome the results, is what's happened in that case. Now, when George Allen arrived, you know, offense was, was a necessary evil. They traded for Billy. Uh, Sonny had a problem staying healthy in those last few years, uh, and it just was not a good fit. But then I wrote about the whole Sonny-Billy thing. But basically, Sonny's talent was so strong, it, it basically overrode the the results of a losing team. And that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. um, I think that, you know, Sonny really could be held up as one of the prime examples, for me anyway, of win-loss is not a quarterback stat. Sonny had a losing career record. You know, his teams were 69, 71, and 7. You know, back when they didn't, he played a lot of years without over, actually every single year of his career with the exception of his last year, um, you, you had ties. Uh, and even in Washington, the 11 years in Washington, um, 17, 20, and 2 in Philadelphia, 52, 51, and 5 in Washington, one game over 500. But the best years of him starting were the George Allen years, but he didn't start a lot of games because of injuries. Yeah. But his record, right. his record, just to almost prove the point of the quarterback win-loss stat uh, being ridiculous, Sonny, as a starting quarterback – for the George Allen skins 
was 11 and 2. 11 and 2 with a great defense and a great running back and running game, etc. and a great coaching staff. Now, Lombardi season, he was 7 5 and 2. But all of those other years when they were losing a lot of 42 to 35 games, he was brilliant, yes. but his team was losing games. Um, I, th- there are a couple of things that I want to say. First of all, for me, <clears throat> my first memories, I've told you before, really my first memory is the 71 team, the George Allen, you know, arriving and and right. go- going to games and being fortunate. I, I, I recognize how fortunate I was. My father got season tickets when D.C. Stadium opened in 1961. And we had three seats in Section 513, Row 13, seats 1, 2, and 3. And uh, my father, when I became of age, my father and my two uncles went to every game. And then uh, my father uh, took me and, you know, my two uncles, I would sit on my dad's lap as a, as a baby, basically, and as a child, you know. Uh, and I remember the 72 season, 71-72 season <clears throat> in particular. Um, but I remember very clearly my, one of my uncles, my Uncle Gary, who uh, it passed several years ago, um, just he'd scream the entire game. Sonny, put Sonny in. Put Sonny in when Billy was in, because Sonny <laughs> was beloved by you know the fans of the team that saw these losers in the '60s. But Sonny and Charlie Taylor and Bobby Mitchell and Jerry Smith, like you know, I don't you know I wasn't around for those games, but they were apparently super exciting to watch. But when they started to win, I remember my uncle Gary all the time screaming, "Put Sonny in!" And Billy was the quarterback. But um, you know, it's funny when I got to know Sonny when I started working in radio, uh, I had a football that my uncle had given me that when I got into broadcasting, he's, and he's like, if you ever meet Sonny Jurgensen, just could you get him to sign this football? Well, it didn't happen until after my uncle passed because he passed like a year later after giving me that ball. And um, But I ended up getting it signed and I gave it to my cousin But um, because Sonny was so nice. Um, but I remember those years in particular, and I remember Sonny being hurt all the time, really. Uh, but there's one, yeah. there's one start in particular that I remember, and I've talked to Sonny about it, and you and I probably talked to Sonny about it during that lunch with a legend, which was one, our, one of our favorites. Uh, that we did. Um, Sonny's all-time favorite game as a George Allen quarterback came in his final season as the quarterback uh, in Washington. Billy was still the main starter, but in 1974, Sonny started four games and was uh, three and one in those starts uh, in those games. And in October of 1974, the Miami Dolphins came to RFK Stadium for a regular season game. And Miami was the team that beat Washington in Super Bowl Seven. Fifty years ago, uh, by the way, coming up on January 14th. Fifty years ago, January 14th, was the day that Miami beat Washington 14-7 to to complete their perfect season. Um, and Sonny wasn't, you know, he was out that entire year. He tore his Achilles at Yankee Stadium in 72. Billy came in. They went 11-3, and and they went to the Super Bowl. But Sonny considered that regular season game in 1974 to be his Super Bowl because he always felt, and a lot of people, Tommy, felt, and you probably remember this, that if Sonny had been the quarterback in Super Bowl Seven with Washington's defense as great as it was, 
and they probably would have won the game. So Sonny yes. against Miami in that regular season game, and he's told me this story many times, and I vaguely remember the game. Um, he said it was his Super Bowl. It was the, the most important game of his career. It was his Super Bowl. It was the Dolphins and a chance for him to show what would have happened in Super Bowl Seven. In that game, Sonny threw for 303 yards, 26 of 39, 303 yards, and with two minutes to go, trailing 17 to 13 in the ball at their own 20-yard line, drove them 80 plays and threw a six-yard touchdown. Six-yard touchdown pass to Larry Smith on the final play of the game, or with like three seconds to go, to win the game 20 to 17. And he said that was it. And you know, for Sonny, that was his final season in 1974. He did play. Right. Um, the uh, a couple more games. He started a, a couple more games for them and then came in in the playoff game that year against the Rams when Billy was struggling. Sonny came in and in his final NFL game, which was uh, in December of 1974, he was 40 years old, by the way, 40 years old. He came in, tried to rally Washington back, um, and ended up, you know, like Billy, not being able to do much against a Rams defense. And with the game actually on the line, it was 13 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Isaiah Robertson picked off a sunny pass and returned it for a touchdown, and they lost the game 19 to 10. But uh, that game in '74 against the Dolphins, I specifically remember Sonny telling me many times that was my Super Bowl game. You know, for, because he didn't—he had never played. He—he he didn't pl- start a playoff game. He never started a playoff game, you know, for Washington, obviously, before George Allen got there. And then Billy Kilmer started all of their playoff games. And the only playoff game he played in was that game in 74, his final game of the year at 40 years old. But I just kind of remember everybody always saying, Tommy, and you'll be able to put it maybe in in better perspective um, uh, with some of the quarterbacks of the time. Um, I certainly remember quarterbacks that I would consider what people said about Sonny, which was he is among the greatest pure passers in the history of the game. Yes. And for me, I certainly understand that. And the, you know, the, the the film stuff of Sonny, you know, that is available. I mean, he was just such a great athlete. I mentioned this on radio, and Frank Herzog mentioned it as well. Sonny had Division One scholarships for basketball coming from everywhere, including North Carolina and Duke. You know, and he ended up going to Duke, and he played football at Duke. Um, Sonny, you know, was there for Wilt's 100 game. Remember, remember, he told us about that. That's they, right. They played the charity yeah. basketball game in in uh, Hershey. Uh, the night, Hershey, yeah. the night that Wilt went for a hundred, they played the prelim, which was like a bunch of Philadelphia Eagles, which you know Sonny started his career uh, with, um, and he was there that night that Wilt scored a hundred, but. Greatest pure passer, one of the great athletes, even though the body type didn't look like it, um, that's ever played the position, he could make every throw. And I hope Sunday goes really well for him because you and I, we got to know Sonny, just one of the nicest people, kindest people, most encouraging people um, and you saw that with players who would walk through the team's lobby or on game, you know, game day, he, he might be, you know, he, he, he always would spend time with us, you know, when we were doing our show or I was doing the pregame show, but players really enjoyed his company. Um, I feel like we're giving a eulogy, which isn't the case. He's just getting his Jersey retired. Uh, well, right. well, after the fact, it should have been done, done a long time ago, but anyway, I yeah. hope, I hope long it's a great day ago. for Sonny. 
Hope it's a great day for him. I mean, you you talked about it. Uh, on my short list of gifts I've been given in this job, getting to know Sonny Jurgensen is on that list. I mean, look, I mean, I, I've been a sports writer for 31 years now, okay? I never, I, and, and like I told you, I, I don't root for teams. I root for me. Uh, whatever works best for me. But you also root for the people you meet in this in, in the, in, while you're doing your job who you really like to do well. And, uh, I mean, I never lost the idea that sometimes after I'd be talking to Sonny, I, I, you know, we'd be done, and I'd say to myself, I, I was just sitting here talking for a half hour with Sonny <laughs> I know. And I would just still be amazed at that. I mean, I you know, I, I would still be amazed at that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to make it about us, but since you brought that up, I, I my 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 some of my greatest thrills getting into this was well, it was it was talking to Sonny on the pregame show every Sunday, and then when I would be doing the pregame show specifically from the booth, and then would stay in the booth yeah. and watch the game. Would be like during commercials, Sunday, Sonny would take his headphones off and say to me, you know, and I'd be standing back behind. Kevin, what are they doing? And then we'd have a conversation during the break, and I'm like, I'm sitting here talking to Sonny about the game that's going on. No, there was um, Sonny always, you know, there have been a lot of athletes in this town. You know, Rigo comes to mind, obviously, in terms of among the most charismatic and lovable and likable and popular. Sonny is right there, you know, at the time. I mean, we've always said the Mount Rushmore of Washington Redskins um, uh, Sonny's on it. You know, Gibbs is on it. Sonny's on it. Daryl Green's probably on it. And then we can argue about the fourth. Is it Art? Is it Rigo? Is it, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, getting that, getting the chance, you know, to know him just a little bit, you know, talking to him once a week and being in his company for many times. Look, you and I got the opportunity with Sam and Sonny many times to go out and host, you know, and co-host these corporate events where people would pay and, you know, we would be the moderators and having these conversations with Sonny and Sam. And they were just, they were just always so much fun. You know, especially, I know what you say, but for me, having been a diehard fan and remembering Sonny, not necessarily Sam as a player, but Sonny at the very end of his career um, was just, it was an incredible, incredible privilege um, uh, over the years. All right, uh, there's a few things we need. Go ahead. Let me just, if I could mention the column that I wrote Yes. uh, for today's Washington Times, I concentrated on the the rivalry between Sonny and Billy and uh, how uh, how it wound up being, you know, basically a lifelong friendship that exists to this day right. and how it's come to actually define this organization. I mean, quarterback controversies. Right. I mean, we've made it, we made a quarterback controversy out of John Beck and Rex <laughs> Yes, we did. You know, but, but all that is, is rooted and Sonny and Billy. I mean, there was not, there were no quarterback debates before that. And now it's literally part of the fabric of the franchise. And, and, and I also talked to, you know, how it, I talked to some, I had some conversations with players uh, in my archives about how it went uh, and why they never became, you know, actual rivals, even though, you know, they were competing for the same position. And uh, I know you talked to Billy, 
and I talked to Billy, too, this week, and he said basically they knew that this was a chance to be a winning team. Billy had never played on a winner. Sonny had only played on one winning team in Washington, and this was their best chance to basically play on a winner, and they didn't want to let uh, a controversy about the quarterback position break that up. But you there know, was but there team. was one. Yes. You were on yes, one side one. or the other. I mean, there were Billy yes. Sonny bumper stickers, bumper stickers, and you were but on one was, side or the fan, other. That was a fan thing, though, yeah. not a player exactly. thing. That was, a, that was a fan thing, not a player thing. Len Haas told me uh, after Billy first arrived and after they started, you know, after Billy was traded for in January, and then after they started playing in training camp, uh, they said uh, that uh, Len told me that they got together with Sonny and Billy after a practice and said, let's sit down and have a heart-to-heart talk. And by the time we were through, we had gotten us all thinking together that the team was the most important thing, and these guys were good enough football players and strong enough individuals that regardless of who played, it would be to the advantage of the team that we could win with either one of them. And so there was, I mean, that was, that was a sophisticated, smart football team yeah. the over the Hill game. Oh, my God, it Those was. Those were smart players, yeah. very unique players, and they were smart enough to take this right from the beginning and say, look, we need to make this work. And then it wound up being the lifelong friendship that, you know, that it's been. You know, Billy told me, you know, he stayed at Sonny's house. Sonny has stayed at his house. They both had kids over. Sometimes that was at a necessity. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just get to one of our houses and we'll just both crash there. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, Billy will be there at Sunday. And when I I, I talked to him about that, I want me to say the team did arrange for Billy to be there Sunday. A couple weeks ago, that wasn't a certainty. But not only did they make arrangements, they sent the camera crew to interview Billy at his house. Uh, for as part of the festivities that will take place on Sunday. But I found it interesting that Sonny in a column to Rick Snyder and Billy in my column went out of his way to say that uh, I hope they beat the Cowboys. That would be frosting on the cake. Oh, that's interesting. Billy said. <laughs> and I thought, how sad is it that it means more to Billy Kilmer to beat the Cowboys than it does to the Commanders? Yeah. Uh, God, I mean, the memories of those two in those times. And your your point about those teams, the Over the Hill Gang, the George Allen Over the Hill Gang was a very smart team. But you know what? Oh. The, but, but it continued with the Gibbs teams, who were always thought to be a step ahead of every single team they played yeah. against in terms of X's and O's and the kinds of players and the kind of – look, I mean, it was important for Gibbs, and he said, I mean, I need smart guys. I need tough guys. I need a couple of crazy guys if they got some talent. But what I really need is I got to make sure that I got some smart guys too. And, you know, I think, you know, George Allen knew how to build, obviously, a winning culture. Uh, He did it everywhere he went, everywhere he went. And Joe Gibbs obviously knew how to build a winning culture. There's, There's so much more to it than just, you know, talent and X's and O's. Clearly, yes. you know, and because um, yes. Gibbs did it in multiple businesses, obviously. 
Uh, yes. One last thing about George sure. Allen and team building, and I've talked about this before, but it's important to note. Uh, there, there was a lot of labor strife uh, between the NFL and the players in the early 70s. Yes, 74. The players 70, yeah. went on strike, but they went on strike in 1970 during training camp, and that was the first time they ever did that. So there was a lot of labor strife, and George and a lot of a lot of uh, union leaders, a lot of un- team reps, union reps would get cut by their teams. George would go out of his way to pick those guys up. Right. He went out of his way to pick up union reps that might have been cut from their team because he figured if they were voted union reps, they were leaders, and he wanted leaders. He wanted leaders. Yep. Um, yeah. And he was a pretty good one, too. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Um, I, I got a bunch of things to get to. I want to get to the latest on DeMar Hamlin, the NFL's response scheduling-wise to it, the playoff scenarios that they're considering. Uh, and I'll have a smell test, too, when we come back right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Kevin looks where the John Q. public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell smell test. test. All right, it's a quick smell test today. Uh, Week 18, Tommy's impossible, really, because the lines are changing. You don't know what the incentive is by the time you get to kickoff. Um, By the way, the smell test brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll double your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. Very few people are doing that. I tell you all the time. Um, my bookie will. Uh, yeah, you've got to bet what you what they're giving you for free. It's you can't just you know open up the account, have them double your deposit, and then close down the account and take a thousand bucks. It doesn't work that way. Um, uh, but uh, once you go through that whole betting cycle of betting what you know your deposit and what they've given you in a double amount, then it'll become available to you. Uh, look, there, there are some weird games. There's only a couple of games, really, uh, really just two of them, in fact, where it's kind of win or go home, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Saturday night, and then potentially Detroit and Green Bay. Um, and I'll get to my pick on that game because it's an if bet on that one. Um, but there's just not a lot to like on the board because there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, Washington, uh, by the way, is a seven-point underdog at my bookie. Uh, to Dallas. The total is 41. Um, uh, You will probably see in that game at halftime, depending on the Giants-Eagles game, you know, a second half line that'll be uh, much different, you know, if if Dallas is out of it at that point. But here are the games. Um, Cleveland 
buying the half point at plus two and a half to get to plus three against the Steelers. I was eight and three last week. I'm 15 games over 500 for the year. Eight and three last week. One of the picks was the Browns. I told you that I was hopeful Washington would win, and I picked them by one point, but I didn't think they would cover. I gave the Browns out plus the two. They're two and a half at Pittsburgh in a game that Pittsburgh has to win. Sound familiar? By the way, as an aside, Mike Tomlin is one hell of an NFL coach. Boy, Um, he could coach my team anytime. Absolutely. I know Steeler fans who get so upset with the game management and the clock management stuff. You guys never, ever suck, even when your talent says you should suck. You're once again with a very average roster in a final game with a chance to get to the postseason. Uh, But I like Cleveland, Tommy. I like Cleveland buying the half point, getting it to plus three as a smell test pick. Cleveland really has been playing much better. Um, They had beaten Baltimore two weeks before when Baltimore needed that game. The Saints game, the Saints were kind of in it. It was 40 below with the wind chill, but that was a competitive game. Um, And then Washington, obviously, they put it all together offensively in the second half against a banged-up team, albeit we understand. But Deshaun Watson finally looked like Deshaun Watson. Nick Chubb is fabulous. I just think this line's short. They're begging you to back the Steelers. The Browns have continued to get better here down the stretch, and I think they will play. It's their rival. They'll play to try to knock them out. They'll play to try to get Deshaun Watson some momentum going into next year, even though I don't really believe in that anymore. But with respect to his situation, considering he didn't get a, a start until late in the year, you know, it'll, it'll be one more opportunity for him to take a step forward because last week was a big step forward for him. Uh, I like the Browns plus the three. And then the other game is an if game. If, if Detroit is playing for something – meaning Seattle loses to the Rams. The league has obviously set this thing up for Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. I think it's despicable what the league has done. For a league that's been talking about competitive integrity with respect to the scheduling off of the DeMar Hamlin situation, I mean, they just completely... Uh, I mean, this, this is where a conspiracy theorist would have my attention. Usually not. Here, yes. Because they've given Green Bay the best opportunity to get to the postseason. If Seattle wins, Detroit's out, so this bet would not apply. But if Seattle loses, I'll take Detroit plus what will be likely four and a half, which is where the line is now. Um, I'll take Detroit plus the four and a half. I think they're good enough to actually go in and beat Green Bay, which I think is one of the concerns the NFL had, which is why Seattle's going to play before them, probably beat the Rams and make the Lions an eliminated team before the game kicks off. Um, The Lions uh, will probably play hard in this game, um, regardless, but imagine being you know 20 minutes before kickoff and you've now the game is meaningless for you. So if if the Seahawks lose, then Detroit is a smell test pick plus four and a half. If Seattle doesn't lose, then Detroit is not a pick. Plus the line will change significantly. If Detroit's not playing for anything, Green Bay will probably be a seven point favorite rather than the four-and-a-half-point favorite they are now. So Cleveland buying the half-point plus three, and if Detroit is playing for a playoff spot, meaning Seattle lost uh, in the earlier window at 425, Detroit plus four-and-a-half. There's your smell test. 
been on a roll, only two plays. Uh, I'll let you know about Monday night's national championship game when we get there. I think I like Georgia, but there's some sharp money on TCU. That line opened at 13, 13 and a half. It's down to 12 and a half. We'll see where it goes this weekend, and I might, I might give that game out on Monday. I do like Georgia to win, and I think I like Georgia to win big, even though I'm going to be rooting Tommy for TCU. My son will be at that game. Uh, of course. In, in California. Great. Um, how, the, the latest on DeMar Hamlin. Here's the latest because it's, there's, a, you know, uh, there's even more information out here this morning. He FaceTimed with his teammates and coaches today. FaceTimed with them. And he told them, quote, love you boys. Love you boys. Uh, yesterday, he was... Uh, asked to communicate uh, on by pen and paper, and he first thing he communicated was, who won the game or did we win? And the doctor said, you've won in the game of life. Um, it's a it's it's a miraculous miraculous recovery, and I think we talked about this the other day. Um, the, you know, it's it's phenomenal that he's. It looks like he's going to survive and survive without significant neurological dysfunction, um, which is what the doctors talked about yesterday. Just an amazing thing. But Tommy, as near tragic as Monday night was, it will turn into a real significant day for the NFL in a positive way. Because these doctors at that UC Cincinnati Medical uh, Center basically credited the reaction time, the CPR, the AED defibrillator, um, in that moment for saving his life. The NFL was prepared for these kinds of things, and they basically saved the man's life on the field. You're right. You're right. You know, I mean, it, it could have went much worse for everybody involved, obviously. Uh, but you're right. This is going to turn into uh, a feel-good story, hopefully, uh, when all is said and done. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the the NFL... Uh, well, again, it's not the NFL necessarily. It's specific training staff, okay, uh, that, was, that was on hand, uh, the, the, the Bills training staff. Is it there, uh, isn't there medical people, though, and in, in in NFL prescribed, you know, preparation for each game with doctors who are there for various possibilities, including medical, including spine, um, and all of that stuff? Like, there's trainers, but then there are a lot of medical people from both sides are you sure that everybody there for an nfl game is there as members of both of the teams or as employees no, of both I'm of the teams sure. yeah I th- I th- i'm not sure but i know the cpr and the immediate uh treatment was done by buffalo bills trainer yeah in fact the assistant trainer yeah yeah right so, but yeah no you're right you're right right now it's a story that that uh, that uh, going into the last weekend of the NFL, uh, everybody is happy with, except for the fans that don't like their their schedule and their perfect perfect NFL schedule messed up. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Yes, because that's much more important to them. Well, come on. Than 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 the the life of a player. Okay. Uh, see, that's ridiculous because it's not. But it doesn't mean that you can't also talk about that. Obviously, the league's been talking about it. Should the league had just said, 
look, we're not we, – we have put business on hold until we find out whether or not DeMar Hamlin is going to be okay. No. No. They should have they talked per, about they it. They proceeded. But the, but the path of least resistance was like what we talked about. But you do know, and it hasn't happened yet as of the recording of this podcast – that there's going to be a vote today on the suggested course of action by the commissioner and the competition committee. The owners need uh, they're going to the owners are going to vote on the following. First of all, if you didn't know, Bengals Bills the resumption of that game will not happen. That game was canceled. So both of those teams will end up with 16 regular season games. They're both going to play their games. There was a question at one, at some point yesterday about whether or not the Bills would play their game against the Patriots. But the good news with Hamlin and even better news obviously today, um, they will play against the Patriots and the Bengals will play against the uh, the Ravens to finish up their their season. So 30 teams will have seven 17 games and the Bills and Bengals will have played 16 games and then it'll be based on uh, seeding will be based on win percentage okay now here's where it gets interesting what the voter what the uh, owners are going to vote on are these two possibilities of of handling the home field advantage question even with the seeding so just so you know, Kansas City right now, if they beat the Chiefs, uh, if they beat the Raiders on Saturday, they will be the number one seed in the AFC. Buffalo will not have a chance to be the number one seed. Even if they had beaten Cincinnati, beaten New England, they would have been the one seed because they beat Kansas City head-to-head. Cincinnati also had an outside shot at being the number one seed. If they had beaten Buffalo, beaten Baltimore, and Kansas City had lost um, a game to get to four losses, they beat Kansas City too. They could have ended up in that spot. So here's what the NFL is going to vote on. Okay, they're going to vote on these two different scenarios. Number one is this. If you get to an AFC championship game and Kansas City is in it as the number one seed and their opponent is Buffalo or Cincinnati with the same regular season loss total as the Chiefs, the game will be played on a neutral site. It will not be played at Arrowhead. The game Buffalo versus Kansas City or Cincinnati versus Kansas City will be played in a neutral site setting. Apparently, Indianapolis is a possibility for that. So again, Kansas City could clinch the number one overall seed and home field if they win and Buffalo loses in Cincinnati. Uh, if they win and Buffalo loses, then there's no coin. F- then, then, then there's no neutral site. But but if Buffalo wins and Kansas City wins, and if Cincinnati wins uh, uh, and, and, and Kansas City wins, and you get to the AFC title game, neutral site for that game. Kansas City would be the one seed, have the bye, but not host the AFC championship game. So they're voting on that. There's another part to this. Because Baltimore plays Cincinnati this week, Tommy. If Baltimore beats Cincinnati on Sunday... And then they are scheduled to play next week in the NFL playoffs, which is a very good possibility. The only reason that wouldn't happen is if the Chargers lost to the Broncos and became the sixth seed and Baltimore moved up to the five seed with a win. If Baltimore beats Cincinnati this week, it will have defeated Cincinnati twice this season. It will complete a sweep over Cincinnati. It will not have the same winning percentage as Cincinnati. However, 
even though Cincinnati would be seated higher than Baltimore, they will flip a coin to decide where the game would be played next week, either in Baltimore or Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The coin flip, the neutral site thing, I don't love. The coin flip thing, I don't love. Personally, I think what they should have done is say, we're not playing the Buffalo Cincinnati game, and it comes down to winning percentage, and that's what the seeding will be, and we're just going to go from there. It was an extraordinary circumstance, and it's really, really awful, ultimately, that Buffalo maybe should have hosted the AFC Championship game or should have hosted uh, or should have played uh, at Cincinnati, but now they're hosting Cincinnati in the divisional round game, but that's the way it goes. And just let it go. That's what I would have done. I'm with you. I mean, look, whatever they wanted to do was fine with me. I really didn't particularly care that much. And I think what you're saying would work out, would have been just fine. You know, just suck it up. I mean, how many times has this happened for crying out loud? Right. I mean, the, this is what the commissioner wrote in this, in this note about what they're going to be voting on. By the way, the Cincinnati EVP of something, it's a woman's name, I had this earlier, she says that she's trying to encourage owners to vote no to this. Um, Goodell wrote, as we considered the football schedule, our principles have been to our, our principles have been to limit disruption across the league and minimize competitive inequities. I recognize that there's no perfect solution. The proposal we are asking the ownership to consider, however, addresses the most significant potential equitable, equitable issues created by the difficult but necessary decision not to play the game uh, or not to resume the game under these extraordinary circumstances. I would just say to the commissioner, after what you guys did with Green Bay, Detroit, and Seattle and the Rams, uh, your intent was not to create competitive equity in that situation. That was competitive inequity definition uh, with what you did with that. But whatever. Um, I, I think a coin flip to decide Baltimore and Cincinnati would be, I mean, would they televise the coin flip? Hopefully not. That would seem a little bit distasteful, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> I think it would. Okay, good. Absolutely. The neutral site idea, I I, I mean, I look, I, the worst may be Cincinnati beats Baltimore and um, ultimately had a chance to host the divisional round game in a 2-3 game against Buffalo, but they'll have to go to Buffalo for that game to get back to the AFC Championship game where, let's not forget, Kansas City lost to Cincinnati last year and almost lost to Buffalo. I actually think both Buffalo and Cincinnati are better teams than Kansas City. But I, I don't know. It'd be, it certainly is hard to bet against Mahomes, but the Chiefs stink on defense. I wanted to just mention one more thing as it related to this, and I, it sounds like from earlier you didn't know this. The NFL, there was a, a lot of different possible um, you know, rescheduling of regular season, postseason, et cetera, uh, ideas going around yesterday. And Florio reported that one of them was to expand the playoff field to eight teams per conference and have basically nobody get a bye. You know, keep the seeding based on winning percentage, but nobody so, – so Kansas City wouldn't get a bye. They'd have to play a first-round game. But the, they'd add a playoff – team to each conference if they had done that Washington would have been alive going into the game tomorrow they would have that would have been funny they would have needed a Seattle loss and then a win over Dallas so Seattle's playing the Rams 
Um, Rivera could have stood up and said, you see, I was right all along. <laughs> we're still alive. Exactly. Right. Rivera could have said, I told you guys we were still alive. Yes. Uh, that would have been an outrageous way to kind of settle this. And the bottom line is it wouldn't have created the home field issues, which are in many ways more significant. Actually, I don't know the answer to that. Is it more significant? Is it better to get the bye or home field or play three games and have home field throughout? Probably the bye. I think. I don't know. I don't know either. I, I think they like to stay at home. I have one more question for you to finish up the show. Oh, real quickly, to all of you Maryland so basketball fans. I know, so many questions. To all of you Maryland basketball fans who you know, are reaching out to me saying, now, now, now you're really upset and you think Kevin Willard wasn't the right hire. You know, a month after you said, see, Sheehan, Turgeon sucked, Willard's the best. Let me just say what I said back then. Turgeon was really good. He was. And Willard's a really good coach. I know they have really struggled to score. It has been painful to watch their last three games against, you know, their last three Power Five games against UCLA, Michigan, and then last night against Rutgers. They had eight points with two and a half minutes to go in the first half. Eight. They were down 33 to seven to Michigan on Sunday. They were, they were down 44 to 13. They were down at one point by nearly 50 points to UCLA. I understand that. They're not, I told you guys earlier, they're going to lose a lot of games even when they were 8-0. I just didn't see the, the super talented team. They're experienced. They had no depth. They have no size. They'll win games. They're going to still be competitive, and Willard had them playing great defense last night. But for those of you that keep saying, why don't they press anymore? You have to make shots to press. Why don't they run anymore? You have to rebound to run. All right, enough about Maryland basketball. Here's my question to you to finish up the show. What if Monday night had happened during the Super Bowl? Hello? That's a good question. Well, are you there? Yeah, that's a good question. Yes. Hello? Yeah, it took you, it sounded like you had dropped there for a second. Well, you know what? You said, you, I mean, I don't have answers to such things. Big questions about humanity on the tip of my tongue. Okay, uh, but but seriously, I mean, like even what if like a championship? They would have stopped the game. They yes, you're right. They would have stopped the game. Right. They would have stopped the game just like if there, there was a blackout during the Super Bowl. You know what would they have done if there was no more power for us of the game? Would they have played the game in the dark? True. If, true. If they could stop the game. For a blackout, they could stop the game for a player near death. I know, I know, I, but but certainly the game would have resumed as quickly as possible. I guess that's the better yes. question. I made a statement there, but I'm asking you: Would the game have resumed quickly, as in the next day like or the day after? Went. That's an interesting question. Whatever TV wanted. That's when it would resume. <laughs> Whatever TV Whatever wanted. Whatever would be best for television. Yeah. If they wanted Monday night, then it would be Monday night. If it would be the following Sunday, then it would be the following Sunday. What if the players told you, like they you know, essentially said the other night, we can't play right now. We need a lot more time. I think that would be reasonable. I think they'd have to consider that. That's why I don't think it would be a day or two later. I think it would be the following week. 
and you'd have a lot of expe- a lot of a lot of expense accounts taking some big hits around the country <laughs> because all of a sudden you get another week. Where's the Super Bowl this year? Where is the Super Bowl this year? Is it is it in Indianapolis? No. It's not in Indianapolis. It's in it's in Blendale, I think. It's in Arizona. Yeah, I think it's in Arizona. So you'd have a lot, a lot more expense accounts, a lot of inflated expense accounts with another week in Arizona. Uh, I can't come back. I got our clients out here. They don't want to leave. <laughs> they have said they yeah. are not leaving. Uh, no, the, yeah. the Super Bowl. Oh no, next next. Yeah, you're right. It's in Glendale this year. Vegas next year. Yeah. Um, Vegas. If it was Vegas, they would say, well, you know, play three weeks from now. We'll just stay. <laughs> Remember when you and I, I mean, we'll have time to talk about this. We're in that rotating basis of going to Super Bowls because, the, you know, we yes. went together and then they were like, you know, we're cutting back on expenses for the Super Bowl. And then it was kind of a rotating basis. Uh, what we went it... together in, in, in Miami and Dallas. And Phoenix. You and I did. No, I didn't go with you in Phoenix. That yeah. was cool. Oh, okay, right. And New York, New York, we okay, right. And you went to no, Indy. You nice. went, you went to Indy. I remember you went to Indy because I was like, no, 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 Tommy can go to Indy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but and then can, I went to New Orleans after that. I know, though, right after right, that. Right, right. It was kind of a the quid pro quo was New Orleans for Arizona. I think. Um, or it was just the next year, whatever it was. But can you imagine the Vegas Super Bowl? What you and I, we, you know what? I think we both we both would have ended up there if we had we we would have held some sort of contest to get to get our listeners to fund the trip of the person that wasn't chosen to go. <laughs> All right, um, have a good weekend. You too, boss. All right, I'll be back on Monday with a recap of. The Cowboys and the Skins and the NFL's final regular season week of the year. I I get depressed when the NFL regular season is over, but we've got a lot of fun playoff weeks coming up, and DeMar Hamlin, it looks like, amazingly, is going to be okay. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.